the free for all roundtable round one on round one today, Vas Bednar is here, executive director of the M- Master of Public Policy and Digital Society, McMaster University. Shelley Carroll, Toronto City Councillor. Pavan Broch, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. And maybe this will come to bear on one of our stories today, also a part-time farmer. But let's yes. start with something that is entirely in Shelley Carroll's wheelhouse, and then in all of ours, because we use it. And uh, Toronto will increase the transit budget by $53 million, also raising uh, fares which Shelley Carroll are amongst the highest in North America. They're amongst the highest. They're 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 still not our cash fare is still not the highest in the GTA, but it, they are amongst the highest. Transit has become very expensive in North America, but this is the first rate hike in three years. We were able to freeze it throughout the uh, the, the worst of the pandemic, but we we we've got to work on on service improvements now. Okay. Uh, one of the issues also seems to be, though, Pavan, um, security. And once again, the head of the union at the TTC, and there are several, but one of the union chiefs was saying, time's come for us to stop using the transit system as sort of an overflow for our homeless situation. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not as much of an expert at the transit system as Shelley would be and others, but uh, certainly it looks like John Tory is selling that line that it's about security. But when I did read the article, it it looked like you know not a lot of the uh, the fifty million dollar increase was actually dedicated to security. A lot of it seemed to be for for some of the lines and some systems changes and improvements, et cetera. So, you know, it's a it's a great way to sell it. And Vance Bednar, young people increasingly aren't even getting their driver's licenses, which for people my age, you know, I, I think I got it on my 16th birthday. Um, so increasingly, public transit becomes more important, but the fares going up again to a level where a lot of people would say, screw it. Well, I mean, 10 cents is is pretty modest and incremental, but it is aggravating that we have the fare box model, which is not sustainable. And buried in that report is that we're actually, we're in, though there are some selective improvements on a few routes, overall, there's a plan to reduce the weekly hours of service and to increase the loading standard in off-peak periods. So the loading standards for off-peak service is going to go up. So there's going to be more people on trains, buses, and streetcars, bus from about 35 to 45, streetcar 70 to 90, uh, line one from 540 people to 650. Again, these are ballpark numbers, but this is another way that we're looking to I guess, save or or reallocate funding on the TTC that's going to change the quality of the service you're receiving when you when and if you're actually taking it. Okay, so um, I'm curious about something you were saying, though. What is the alternative to the fare box system? Well, I'll tell you something, John. Um, We are still more reliant on our fare box than any other system in North America. Um, In in the beginning of the pandemic, for instance, you saw the TTC go into crisis much faster than Montreal, Calgary, Vancouver, and and systems down in the United States. Because in all of those other systems, there's more of an ongoing and regular contribution that comes from the state or the province. We are entirely reliant on on either the uh, the, the fare box or uh, a huge infusion from property tax, which is the wrong tax spot altogether for for a large transit system, and then we get um, 
unpredictable and and catches catch can infusions from the province and the federal government for 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 you know line construction and improvement we need ongoing and predictable infusions such as they have in montreal where we we split the addition and then you can stabilize the bear box and continue to improve service and we haven't had that in toronto since 1995 Okay, and Vaz, is that more or less what you were referencing, that there should just be a more sustained contribution from government, or are there other models for funding transit? Yes, a more, I like that Shelly jumped in, you, you did me a solid there, but a more kind of sustainable <laughs> funding model that's not on the backs of riders, because it sort of makes us feel like, as riders, we're entirely responsible for the quality of the service we're receiving, the cleanliness and the safety um, of the TTC, and we need, we obviously need uh, more support and investment there. All right, so part of the city budget as well is about homelessness, and I've reached the point where I'm a bit confused about what we're doing here. So again, I'll start with Shelley Carroll, because you're a sitting city councillor. Uh, five temporary Toronto shelters set to close in 2023, but then I keep reading in other quarters that maybe they're not going to be closed. So what's going on? Well, in the, in the report that's coming next week to, to committee and then to council, we're extending the leases on some of these temporary shelter hotels, but we are continuing to wind down and close those hotels. Those those temporary shelters that were set up in hotels, those are not ideal. They do not fit the model of, of what we're trying to do in terms of shelter and deeply affordable housing. They're too large. You don't want to put um, 300 people into one building and then try to support them and, and get them out of homelessness. Uh, the ideal model is 90. And, and that's the type of shelter the city's in the middle of building. And we're trying to build more deeply affordable housing, that modular housing program. So what we'll be doing is extending some leases, but also getting an update on the move to get people out of these hotels, out of the hotels that that, that were uh, closed down at the end of the year. Uh, the lion's share of those people went into permanent housing situations, and some went back into some of our permanent shelter facilities that that we we have ongoing that are reducing their their covid distancing requirements and going back to their their former capacity but you know that it's important that we have this report because a lot of residents who have those hotels in their community um, are concerned that we're just going to buy them and make them into permanent shelters and and Nothing of the sort is planned uh, because they're they're just they're too large. They were needed in their day um, to to meet COVID requirements, but they're not the best place for our homeless populations because we doesn't give us the ability to work one on one with those people and 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 get them out of homelessness. Okay, bunch of topics I want to get to. So, um, Vas Bednar, I want to move to something else, and I'm presuming nothing, but I know a lot of your public statements and uh, writing lately has been about. Competition. So maybe I can bundle two stories. One of them is Jugmeet Singh saying we need more uh, competition in the air travel business in Canada. And then we get to Siobhan Morris, CTV reporter, who caused a firestorm on social media when she took a picture of chicken that was selling for an absolute fortune at Loblaws and just wrote, I beg your pardon. So is this all about competition? I mean, both are about competition, but in different ways. I appreciated the tweet, and I think people are 
potentially misdirecting some of their anger and frustration related to inflation and price increase at Loblaw, at Westin, at the Westin family. But you have to remember, Canadians already lost a lot of trust uh, from the bread price fixing scandal. So what I would like to see is a royal inquiry into the price of basic goods. That's because the Competition Bureau does not have the ability to conduct market studies, which is a fancy way of saying it cannot get the documentation it needs to actually understand what's going on. So they're investing the grocery stores right now, but it's kind of a little bit of a pantomime. On air flight stuff, you could argue that the way the ways in which service has deteriorated is actually a function of competition in the sense that we've been sort of we have a McKinseyfication of the sector, right? We're privileging returns to shareholders over longer-term investments in things like uh, digital infrastructure, etc. Staffing. We have a staffing model that's sort of very in increasingly gig-based and on-call, and you know, day in day out, you might be able to kind of cut those corners and and and. Uh, get by and offer people slightly lower prices. You know, consumers are implicated here too. We want travel to be as affordable as possible, but when, when things break down, there are serious ramifications. So uh, I don't think more competition is the only solution. I think we have laws on the books uh, and accountabilities with airline that we actually under enforce. But yeah, both public policy stories that I'm really yeah. fascinated by. Pavan Brach, uh, I know you say you're a part-time farmer. I don't think that involves chickens, though, does it? <laughs> We've raised chickens. We have chickens, yes, mostly for eggs these days. But for me, for sure, John, I would agree that competition is not obviously not the only issue, but it's a significant issue. And I just... I don't know. I'm just tired of watching these politicians step out onto their balconies and tut tutting the state of affairs at airports and, and so on and so forth and saying, goodness me, this is not right. And then they go back in and do nothing. Uh, you know, we have competition bureaus who make announcements about mergers on the day before New Year's, uh, you know, hoping nobody will notice with respect to uh, Shaw Rogers. We have so that's the tribunal. Yeah, that's we not have the a situation. Sure. Yeah. Bureau's no. going to bat for people big time. Bureau's going to bat for people well, big time. OK, that's that's your point of view. But I mean, I, I'm just saying that the competition we, commissioner we, is asking for a full block of the merger. No, no, I'm sorry. That's really important. The tribunal, the adjudicator for the Rogers Shaw case is the one that did all right. that stuff over the holidays. Please continue, though. Yeah. No, thanks so much. So we have an issue where the meat industry is held by, you know, controlled by two, three, maybe four multinationals. We have the grocery industry that's largely concentrated as well. In the case of airlines, I've watched it at Hamilton Airport where a, an airline comes in, tries to set up a new, a new operation there, and the big boys sweep in, uh, come in, compete with them directly on their routes kill the competition, and when that guy leaves, they leave. And uh, as a result, we don't get any improvement. So we do need to look at our competition system, I think, and strengthen it. And these politicians, I think, need to start to actually do something versus just talk about it. Well, just, there is an open consultation on the future of the Competition Act in Canada that ends at the end of February. So I'd really encourage people to channel their energy and memes and anger uh, into that consultation so we can continue to improve the law. Sorry. Tristan Hopper writes a column in the National Post uh, where he says Canadian politics has a nepotism problem. Effectively, he says there are three by-elections coming up, and in two of them, it is one of the children of the previous office holder who's running to replace their parent, which I guess brings me to you, Shelley Carroll. Is there anybody in your family who could uh, run and win in your ward? <laughs> 
No, that maybe maybe it, it ends at municipal politics. They, they they don't think I'm having enough fun, so they're they're not following me into it. <laughs> but it's it is not unusual in Canada. But but uh, you know. I don't have a problem with them coming after you. What, what you don't do is hire what, what has ended in Canada in, in the last couple of decades is you don't hire your entire family to come in and work with you while you're there. But following in the family footsteps um, shouldn't come as a surprise because it is a family business. When election time rolls around, everyone in the family uh, gets into the campaign. And so they learn about it. And one of the best representatives I've ever had as a Canadian, as a person sitting here in my home, uh, was David Kaplan, son of Eleanor Kaplan. And he was our MPP in this uh, this neighborhood for years and years, uh, a great minister in the provincial government and a great representative on a constituency basis. So, you know, he learned at the feet of his mother. So uh, as long as you're not he hiring learned. them on he, your... Yeah. He learned, but it's also you inherit the networks right it's like we're seeing dynastic wealth in, in in canada but also the dynastic networks and i think that's something that people are reacting to but you can still be an excellent politician and have a parent that's one too yeah and you can be galen weston jr and be be good at your job because you learned it from your parents yeah, you have their it. connections it, it, it you know exists private and public Okay, uh, we're out of time, but thank you all. And interesting to finish on Galen Weston all over again because we're back to the price of chicken. Pavan Brach, Vas Bednar, and Shelley Carroll. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.